Support for the Manage Madrid podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming and champions of the world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, and Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0, all across Europe. You heard that right, the 4.0. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you, 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the, with the code managingmadrid at manscaped.com. Hey, Matt, we'll see. Who used their Manscaped mowers today against Granada? So Vinicius Jr. actually did not use his Manscaped mower in the first half, but he got his head on straight, used the Milan mower 4.0 in the locker room at halftime, and just came out a man possessed. He was unbelievable in the second half, um, provoked a red card, scored a goal. He was he was brilliant, and it was so fun to watch him, and I'm just thankful that he had his lawnmower 4.0 with him in, in, in the locker room at halftime. I'm not saying that the Manscaped would have saved Monchu in this game because I still think Vinicius would have cooked him. But at the very least, at least do some manscaping before you step on the field. My God, you're trying to defend the Brazilian prodigy here. You know, one of the future Brazilian greats. You can't just not manscape. So Monchu, red card, got cooked. Bad idea, Monchu, not to manscape. Listeners get 20% off and free shipping with the code managingmadrid at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com and use code managingmadrid. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. This episode of the Managing Madrid podcast is also brought to you by Bisha Hotel in Toronto, which is a proud sponsor of the Managing Madrid podcast. And they helped us so much on our podcast world tour when we were in Toronto. If you're staying in Toronto anytime soon, anytime in the future, use code social, S-O-C-I-A-L upon checkout at Bisha Hotel Toronto. It's right in the heart of downtown. You're close to the Scotia Bank Arena where the Raptors play. You're close to a bunch of amazing food and bars and clubs and museums, anything you need downtown Toronto. Book your stay at Bisha Hotel. You'll be in the heart of the action and in the private den like lobby of the Bisha Hotel with its black crushed velvet walls and magenta Jeff Koon sculpture. It feels like you're about to go spot a megastar, perhaps Lenny Kravitz, whose design firm created the look of an entire floor of this boutique hotel, which is tucked into the bottom eight floors of a 44-story condo building. The 48-hour gym, rooftop infinity pool, and on-site auto detailing and ballet services complete the have-it-all vibe on 80 Blue Jays Way, again, in the heart of Toronto. Use code social, S-O-C-I-A-L, upon checkout. Shout out to Bisha for so much help in our Toronto podcast. And shout out to the Village Country Club last night in Dallas, where we had an amazing podcast, uh, myself, Kian Sobani, joined by Matt Wiltsey, we recorded a very memorable podcast in front of a lot of amazing Madridistas, and that episode is over on patreon.com slash managingmadrid, where we uploaded that, and it's an ageless podcast because we did not talk about the Granada game because there, it made no sense to do a tactical preview of the Granada game a few hours before the game. So we did a lot of Real Madrid history, a lot of trivia, a lot of what-ifs in Real Madrid history and some Q&As. It was a ton of fun. So that is over on patreon.com slash managingmadrid. And today's episode is obviously the Granada Post game, live from the Matt Wilty household, where we watched the game together, took some notes, and then recorded our post-game thoughts in person. And we really hope you enjoy the show. So let's get right to it. Granada Post game, three, two, one, let's go. Nice article in the Managing Madrid, uh, blog, uh, wonderful lads that do a great job there, and worth reading about that man there, 
Sunday edition of the Managing Madrid podcast. We are recording this shortly after Real Madrid uh, defeat Granada 4-1 away from home in what turned out to be a relatively easy game that could have been worse for Granada. It could have been 5-1, it could have been 5-0. The XG probably indicates that it was about about a fair line, a fair score line. Um, and we're going to break this down. I'm recording this live from the household of Matt Wiltsey, where we have dogs in attendance. We have the Tottenham game in the background. Regulon just scored. So that one will bring forward to the loan tracker on Tuesday. But Matt, uh, easy game. Granada were pretty brutal. Yeah, it was, uh, it was an interesting game. I think the first half was... It, it had its moments. It was a little bit slow. But then in the second half... Everything just unfolded, and Real Madrid had their way with Granada. I mean, we were just cutting through them with ease. Uh, Vinicius really exploded in the second half. The team, I mean, everything just seemed to be clicking, and especially once the red card happened, the game was over. And uh, 4-1, I mean, it was a it was a nice, solid win heading into what's going to be a difficult schedule ahead. So we were also talking about just the fact that international breaks can be followed by Banana peels can be followed by lethargy, you know, fatigue. We had Vinicius in the lineup today. It took him a while to get going when you think about it, like, you know, and he was one of the players, obviously, who traveled from South America. Second half, he was awesome. First half, maybe a little bit more subdued and quiet. Um, had a weak moment on the ball, which led to a Granada goal, which we can, we can discuss. But um, the team felt like they just grew into it. I know when we're looking at that first half, there were a couple players that stood out to me, I think you probably share those two standouts. But uh, who was, you know, who who was the one guy that you looked at was like, you know, this guy is, is ready, he's on point, he's sharp, he's pleased playing well. So especially in the first half, I think we have to point to David Alaba. Um, I continue to be impressed with him. Continue to be just honestly blown away with how quickly he's adapted to Real Madrid. And, uh, you, I mean, I just felt like he was cutting out all these counters. He was running people down. He even had one moment where he just let the ball, he just let the uh, Granada attacker try and slide for the ball and just waited until uh, he was ready for it and just took it. So, I mean, everything was coming off for him. Uh, he was making foray, attacking forays, progressing the ball from that center back position. And, um, he's been just phenomenal. I, I love him. He's class, and uh, I've, I'm all aboard the Alaba train. Well, he also was... He had that huge intervention, the six-yard box. I think it was like in the, within the first five minutes or so. That was the one that Luis Suarez nearly gets on the end of. That was a huge moment. He also... His vertical passing was very good. He was... I mean, one of the interesting wrinkles from this game is that also that Alaba would venture forward in a central position quite a bit. Sometimes would even end up on the right side, but... Um, and Ancelotti kind of elaborated on this after the game that, you know, Casemiro would drop, one of the midfielders would go forward. And generally, like, if you look at the theme of this game, you look at the heat maps, you look at Casemiro's positioning, he was basically playing as a third center back. Um, or even as a second center back because David Alaba would go up the field or play in midfield, which was an interesting wrinkle. Um, it is interesting to kind of see that play out in a game like this. We're not used to seeing Casemiro play in a deeper position under Ancelotti. 
it's been pretty common this season. It's been one of the changes that he's you know he's been he's brought forward from last season. But uh, maybe talk about just some of the interchangeability between the center backs and the midfielders. Yeah, I mean you mentioned Alaba and Casemiro, but I thought even Nacho was moving forward right. and moving yeah, out yeah, of position yeah, yeah. from time to time, um, and so. It, it was interesting. I mean, it was an interesting little tactical wrinkle, but I think there were times where, and you and I were talking about it while watching the game, where there was a, a if we lost the ball in midfield, there was a huge gap because Casemiro was still holding in that center back position, even defensively. And so a couple times there would be holes where, um, and none of the center backs stepped up, so there would be holes, and Granada had their right. way just coming at us, especially in transition. But other than that, like I liked it. I think it's a better way of getting Casemiro involved in the build-up play without trying to just like move him around, put him in the number ten spot, or like just avoid him altogether. Um, at least that way, he's not playing with his back to goal. He can see the field in front of him, and I always feel like he's more comfortable that way. Where at least he's got everybody in front of him. He can see where defenders are coming from. There's nobody coming from his blind side. And so that way, at least he can handle the pressure a little bit better. Yeah, and that's generally where Granada would try to pounce on. Like, you look at the goal they scored. They had a couple good looks or at least decent shots from, like, let's say 30, 35 yards where Casemiro was a little bit too deep and there wasn't anyone really zone 14 to step up and block the shot. Um, either that or they would get in behind Carvajal on the right side, get a cross in or a cutback in from that side. But again, it was we're, we're talking about limited threats overall. Um, and you're looking at the XG chart, you know, there wasn't much that they conjured. Um, so if you, if you kind of just zoom out and kind of look at the theme of the game, though, I also think while there was surgical attacking moments from Real Madrid in this game, all the goals, a lot of sequences outside the goals, Granada just oddly, maybe not oddly because they're in the relegation zone, they haven't been good this season, just a lot of holes, a lot of bad tracking, um, you know, they tried to hold this like kind of four four two mid block at times. They tried to go deeper sometimes or a little bit higher. Sometimes. It was a little bit, they didn't seem like they had a clear identity on how they were defending. And just a lot of bad tracking, uh, wonky lines that were exploitable. And so I think it kind of just went hand in hand, the fact that Real Madrid were also sharp. They were hitting gears. They were growing into the game with each minute. And Granada just felt like, felt like they were just melting defensively and they couldn't get any shape to kind of secure any channels, prevent some off-ball runs. It, it, was a, it was a messy performance from Granada. Yeah, and you asked me like who was some of the standouts. I mean, aside from Alaba, I think Tony Cruz was on his game as always today. And speaking of that Granada defense, that leaky Granada defense... Um, I mean, Cruz just exploited them time and time again. And the first goal, Asensio's goal, comes from Cruz playing that pass in, in the space between both the left back and the left center back. And Asensio capitalizes on it, uh, makes a good good run uh, and a decent finish. I mean, obviously it, it bobbled its way into the net, but it was a good finish with his weaker right foot. And um, Asensio, another guy who I thought had a good game. I mean, he's grown. This is a couple good games in a row now from Asensio. And... I think Carlo likes him. Carlo always brings him up in the post-match press conference and seems to want to get the best out of him. So we'll see if this continues. It's, it's going to be a battle between him and Rodrigo for that position for sure. Um, but I just thought like Cruz was having the time of his life being able to switch the ball, e exploit this Granada back line, like play 
play through balls in between any of the any of the open spaces in the back four. So yeah, um, it was it was a good day at the office for Cruz. It was it was just a day at the office yeah. for Cruz. Like he just shows up and 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 slings these passes together effortlessly. Um, back on the Asensio point, it's and I, I've been writing about him, and I'm going to publish something in the next couple of weeks or so on him. And just kind of, I have a lot of skepticism, and I'm a little bit reserved about you know some of these performances. This is I'd say his third good game of the season. It may not be on the level of the Mallorca game, or was it the Rio game where he also played well? I think it was. Yeah, the Rio game, um, or was it Sheriff? I it can't remember. Rio, it was Rio. Yeah. So it may have not been on the level of that necessarily, but it was pretty good. And now that I'm kind of talking myself talking myself through this, maybe it was on the level of, of, of those games, just in the sense that he didn't need to have like this otherworldly moment, but he was consistently from like minute one to 90 involved. And that's a good sign to me. Um, his body language was good. He looked confident, this, a confidence that maybe he didn't have yeah. in the last two years or so. He had two roulettes in this game, yeah. I think. One of them was in a really tight space in the box where actually he, it was a good counter-pressing sequence too because that was a play where Real Madrid lose the ball in the box and he wins it back and he does the roulette. And uh, the goal he scored, good run, decent finish, you know. He had two right-footed attempts in this game. I mean, that maybe that's one of the funny things about playing on the right wing is you, <laughs> you assume he'd cut in and shoot with his left, but, you know, two of his um, really good chances, one of them led to the goal, one of them which was cleared right off the line was a right footer, which you and I were looking at that and we were like, we, he didn't connect with it cleanly, but somehow that actually was the best path to goal. If he had to just put a little bit more power behind it, yeah. I think it would have went in. Um, I like this Asensio performance. I think this is a good s- string of games from him. If he's not going to be an elite dribbler like a Vinicius, where he's going to take players on constantly, the best like the best version of him outside of that is going to be someone like this, some, something like this who can... He can connect the dots. His movement in the right half space in connection with Modric was really good on, on that right side. Um, just his ability to control the ball in tight spaces and make sure the ball keeps flowing. He's a good outlet. So if he's not going to be a dribbler supreme, if you get this version of him, this is the next best version of him. Um, the only thing missing at this point is probably just long distance shots, which is which is always nice to see. But he didn't need to in this game because Granada were, were holding a, a terrible defensive line that you could just exploit the space in behind. Yeah, and I think the other thing that we always expect from Marco Asensio, or that we've been critical of with Marco Asensio, is his defensive tracking. Yeah. Um, and today I noticed he was tracking back, like he was doing what he needed to do. He was putting the effort in at least. Um, and so that's, I mean, that's kind of the bare minimum required that we expect from him in that position. And he was doing it today. So that's encouraging. And I think, like you said, Keon, he was more involved. He was getting, he was. He was more of an active presence throughout the match, and there's been too many games where we go, we talk about Asensio, and like maybe yeah, he had one or good, one or two good moments, but he was invisible for the rest of the game. That wasn't today. He was pretty active throughout the game, and uh, the only moment that I don't think you you mentioned, which I think could be um, something we use against these deeper blocks, because in the first half, Granada was kind of sticking to their four four two and. We're, I know we we uh, have, have kind of criticized them defensively, but in the first half they had their moments and they were trying to, I mean, defend well within that block. Yeah. And we were having some trouble, and Asensio had that reverse long diagonal pass to yeah. Vinicius 
And I think that's something that can be replicated in other games. And I think that's something that helps break um, a deep block and kind of stretches them out a little bit more. And so if he can continue to do something like that and bring that to the mix, um, it's only going to help him continue to keep that position and keep competing with Rodrigo for the right wing. Yeah, well, and it was also interesting that he came over to the left a few times. Yeah. And not in a way that really cluttered the left side. I think it actually was helpful because it provides you with numerical superiority on that side. All of a sudden, the, the right wing back has this cutting run that's not being tracked from the other side of the field. He provided overlaps for Vinicius connected with Benzema. I think it actually, you know, strategically you can do that without having to swap wings with Vinicius. You can just kind of, you know, help the link up on that left side. And, uh, on, you know, the link up on that left side was quite good. This was a, a Benzema game that wasn't too eventful either, uh, which he can be excused for games like this, obviously, because of everything he's done the last two, three years and beyond. But um, Benzema did have uh, a couple one-twos with uh, Vinicius. As we see, Conte screaming like a madman in the background because Tottenham have just picked up three points. Um, he did have, and you and I... I, I, we were we were thinking the same thing, and when I said it, you were like, "That's exactly what I was thinking." He did have a few connections with Vinicius that look very similar to the connection he has with Mbappe and in, in the French national yeah. team. So the link up um, from him was still pretty good for the most part, and obviously he was involved in Real Madrid's was a third goal or fourth goal, the one that Vinicius scores and Benzema carries the ball up the field. Uh, yeah, third goal. Third goal. Yeah. So he, he, you know, he still had his moments, right? Yeah, and he, had, he managed three key passes in this game, uh, yeah. two completed dribbles, four shots. So, like, even for, for Benzema, like, the standards are so high that uh, even on a day where he contributes like that, yeah. he, he's, he's st- it's not considered his best day, but he was still, uh, from an end production standpoint, really critical to the team and, and had his role. And I thought, like, I mean, we made fun of home because he... Uh, was in the first half said Vinicius was downright terrible and then compared him to like Pele in the second half. (laughs) Neymar. Neymar. But but it was kind of like that for Vinicius today too. Like it wasn't, his standard is so high now as well that like it really wasn't the best game from him. Uh, I do think he really turned it on in the second half and like when he uh, made that one shoulder deke that left the defender coming sliding in and just left him for dust. I mean... He had a couple moments like that that were incredible, um, and he provoked the red card. He was that that red card run in itself, where he takes on three, four different guys and then gets taken out. Was, I mean, he is just a joy to watch, and he's been, I mean, ten goals. He's at double digits in November. Like yeah. that was unfathomable for us at the start of the season, and now not only that, but he has seven assists within seventeen games, seventeen goals and assists and 17 games like what more could we ask from this kid he's been unbelievable and i'm really happy for him he even like he almost scored uh what was that chance when oh the counterattack with asensio benzema and vinicius in the 30th minute right where benzema just overplays uh the pass he vinicius nearly scored that one it went to asensio that was the other right footed shot yep. you were talking about um that was nearly a, a vinicius goal so he had a couple attempts today and uh, I just thought, like, it's, it's, it's encouraging that when our best attacking players aren't at their best, we're still, they're still at a good enough level that they can, bring, like, get a result. Yeah. Well, he, went, he just went to another level. The, the, perform, the, the gap between the first half and the second half yeah. in his performance was insane. Yeah. So in the, uh, 
in the second, like I was, I was looking at um, just his performance overall, and I was looking at my notes. The first real sequence where you noticed him was, I think, the twelfth minute where he cuts in and shoots at the keeper. It's from, you know, it's from kind of from a sweet spot because he likes to cut in and the far post curler, but he just didn't get enough yeah. bend or 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 power behind it. So that was the first one. You didn't really see him do much in the first half. I mean, obviously the goal that Granada scored, he was involved in that in an unfortunate way. The second half, he starts going at players. He had his first real good dribbling sequence of this game was in the 47th minute. And then he just starts burning people. I think it's one of those things he just got momentum. Granada got tired. Granada started defending worse and worse. And they got the red card. And Ancelotti was saying after the game, like, I took him off because can't risk it the game was I think he used the words the game was getting hot yeah. like you don't want to and and rightfully so we took Vinicius off and Rodrigo got to play uh, a rare cameo on the left side because Hazard's obviously out of the out of the lineup as well um, with a stomach issue so um, the second half Vinicius was just uh, provoking as you said he was drawing a lot of attention some of his just smooth touches around defenders for some reason granada the other thing they were doing weird in this game is that they were just lunging at vinicius yeah. which i think that is a bad way to defend vinicius you're just giving him the exact opportunity to just drop a drop a shoulder or get a touch past you um and then obviously the red card which just made it impossible for granada basically um so oh the the goal that we conceded in the first half do you yeah. want to break that down? Like, what were your was there? What what could we have done differently? There? Do we want to uh, talk about our second goal first, though? Which one was the second Just goal? Nacho. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Set pieces. Nacho. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. We were both commenting while we watched the game. Like our set pieces were on point on today. Point. They yeah, were yeah. just um, like looked rehearsed. There was variation. There was just. Um, everything. I mean, they were working out really well, and of course, we the second goal, Nacho comes up big with a near post run, a short. I think it was a short corner kick that Cruz plays in his second assist of the game. Yeah. And um, really, when we first watched it, we weren't sure like if it just kind of deflected off Nacho or if it was a good finish. But it was a really nice finish. Opened his hips up, turned yeah. his inside of his, his foot, uh, kind of stepped into it, and it was a, a great finish from Nacho and. Uh, he he can he's capable of that. Like he, I feel like he gets those types of goals, and um, it was really really good goal. So two nothing up. It looks like we're cruising. We have that chance that we talked about that would have been three nothing had Asensio or Vinicius scored. Um, and then sure enough, Granada get one back late in the first half, and we're thinking to ourselves, did we regret all those missed chances? And their goal. I mean, I just felt like the team switched off. And we always talk about, like, goal kicks, throw-ins, set pieces. Those are moments where you can't switch off. you got to yeah. be switched on. And um, we threw it in to Vinicius. He had a couple guys on him, wasn't able to control it, loses it in his own half. And that's that's the thing. You can't lose the ball there in that type of area of the pitch. Yeah, It's always going to be you're, – you're asking for trouble if you lose it there. And so we lose it in our own half. Granada come right down our throat. Casemiro tries to make amends, actually dives in on the tackle, uh, shot on the shot, and it looked like actually Casemiro had the deflection. That's what I thought initially, yeah. But it wasn't Casemiro. It was it went off Nacho's heel, um, and I wonder like I think Courtois would have had it had it not been deflected. Yeah. But he was going the other way once it got deflected. Um, I saw I, there was a lot of Vinny slander in that moment, and I think it was a 
not to let him off the hook completely, but I do think it was a difficult one to deal with. Yeah. It was a throw-in that was going past his body, and two defenders swarmed him. They picked the picked the, like you, you know like I, I think the commentator probably exaggerated a little bit how much that was Vinicius's fault, yeah. and um, you look at everything that that it took for that goal to happen. The deflection, uh, you know, Courtois getting frozen there because of the deflection. It, it happens. It, this was you know it's it's a minor blip in an otherwise pretty comfortable performance. Um, was there anything in the first half that stood out to you, or I mean, we can also jump to second half. Um, the only other thing was I just thought Modric was quietly very good in this game yeah um and like we were talking about it while we were watching the game how he comes over to the right side and maybe like one two three defenders start swarming around him and he's going towards our own goal yeah yet he still somehow comes out of it either playing a vertical pass or just getting out of the pressure and releasing us uh to go on a transition and so Modric's ability to do that, and we—he's like like Benzema. He's a guy we've become desensitized to just how good he is and how easy he makes that look. Yeah. Like in reality, that's so difficult, and yeah. it's so it's it's just incredible to have a player that can get you out of those tight spots like yeah. that. And at his age, what he's still doing, like I was really I was really happy with Modric, Modric and Cruz. Like we just look at them and it's like, oh my God, no wonder nobody can get into this midfield there you you can't beat them that's it's the problem they're too too good there was also just so many off ball sprints that like yeah. you know like there was a couple in the second half where Carvajal hasn't doesn't really have an option all of a, all of a sudden you see Modric flying through through the screen and getting into the right half space and all of a sudden Carvajal plays this perfect ball yeah. to him so there were moments like that too i mean look at the sprint on the the Vinicius goal yeah it's like where did he even come from Granada just not even sending any help to even track him, but I mean, so that's another side of the story. That the, if you like, if you look at that sequence, it was perfect perfection from Real Madrid. Benzema plays it back and then sprints. Casemiro plays a perfect ball uh, to him. He waits and waits, and then Modric flies to the screen and he plays. He slips it through to Modric at the far post. Modric unselfishly and rightfully squares it to an easy tap into Vinicius to defend that. With a pulled-up hamstring from a Granada player, plus no tracking, I think is just a bad recipe. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, it was like perfection meets a very movable object. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to like it's it's almost like in a game like this, there's not much complexity to the breakdown. I don't think you know what I mean. Yeah. It was straightforward in the sense that I thought Real Madrid put up in a professional performance. They got really good individual performances. They had security at the back with Casemiro dropping so deep. They had attackers growing into the game. And Granada just didn't defend well. And you got a Mendy right-footed goal. I mean, what more could you ask for? Yeah, <laughs> and so, I mean, he had a couple of right-foot moments in this game. And then that, it, it's almost like he doesn't want to shoot with his left. It's like, I have to cut in yeah. and get this on my right foot. Otherwise, it just doesn't count as a shot. Yeah. Um, I mean, he had in this game, there were a couple sequences where... He's just bouncing off of defenders, trying to maul him down like some kind of. I mean, I don't watch football, so I don't know. But is it the running back who who's the one that catches the ball yeah, and yeah, then yeah. tries to get touchdown? Yeah, is that back. a running back? Yeah. It was like seeing someone like that in action, where it's like a bowling ball, and you can't even like no matter what you do, he's just gonna he's just gonna get to his spot. I mean, uh, and then he scored a goal. That was the fourth goal, right? Yeah. 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 Um, what else? Um, so I just thought like. There were some good 
movement, and we've been talking about this recently, and I forget who else brought it up, but um, I think it was Ben Hayward who said, like, what he noticed on Twitter, what he noticed most about watching Vinicius at right. the Santiago Bernabeu recently. More central. Was, yeah, more central. Yeah. And there was one point in this game when Vinicius was actually on the right wing, and he was more actually in, like, the right half space, and so he was central, and he started coming deep and dragged a Granada defender with him. And then Carvajal overlapped and made the run right in behind him. Perfectly timed. Cruz plays a long diagonal and Carvajal gets on the end of it. Um, and I think that was... Uh, I think it may have ended... Did that one end in the Vinicius volley? I don't know if it ended in a shot or not. But like that type of, that type of play and movement is another like repeatable theme that we can use to break down deep blocks and I really I mean I just thought it was so intelligent to have one player dragging the defender out and another player making the run in behind and then you you can trust Cruz to always hit that and so um I think kind of under the radar that maybe not as many people are talking about in this game though is like how nice it is over the last few games to have both Carvajal and Mendy together as fullbacks starting games and playing like even if like one's playing better than the other, they're not at like an elite elite level. It's still just such an upgrade to have them at fullback. Yeah. Um, and I I thought Carvajal was quietly very good today. I looked at the stats; he had seven clearances, which I was surprised yes. about. I thought he had Alaba, five of them by halftime. Oh wow! Yeah. yeah, I thought Alaba would have been the highest, but um, yeah. he uh, he played well, and so did and Mendy too, like we talked about. So it's just so nice to have both of them um, on the pitch together again. It it just completely changes the team's defensive ceiling too. I mean, it's it's it makes everyone's job easier. It makes it makes it easier for Alaba to run up the field if he wants to, you know, and, and, you know, Lucas and I were talking about the interchangeability between him and Mendy on the fly, which seems to be a wrinkle that works. There's an understanding there. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and you mentioned Kroos and his ability to pick those out. He had a couple in this game. Like, we, you mentioned that the goals he set up, the key passes and the assists, but also just, you know, some of the switches he had in this game, the diagonal switches were, were, were incredible. Uh, Seven of eight long balls today. Casemiro, seven of seven long balls. Um, and, and I don't think Granada put any pressure on him yeah. either. But um, Casemiro quietly or maybe not that quietly had a very good game as well. So do you think this kind of Casemiro as a third center back or at least building out from the back, do you think this is something we'll see going forward? It could be, but I think it's situational because... Depends on the team. Granada didn't put any pressure on yeah. us. So I, I, I don't know if, like, that would be... I think I prefer him, like, if he's going to get pressed, though, I prefer him being pressed there than in the middle of the pitch where it's back to goal, like, guys coming on him from Where he's not able angles. to recover? Yeah, or, like, where he just doesn't have the pitch in front of him. Yeah. So he instead, like, when he's got people coming from his side, his back, wherever, and he can't see, like, I just, that's when I get worried about him. Mm. So, um and at least you do, like you said, he has cover. Like he's got his center back partners next to him, so he's got cover in behind. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll it see. is interesting that like Ancelotti has started to be a little bit more. He's thrown in more variance yeah. from a tactical perspective over the last. I would say, since that initial game in Ukraine against Shakhtar, where yeah. all of a sudden he completely changed the tactics, and he started saying like publicly. I mean, doesn't mean necessarily that it wasn't always on his mind, but at least publicly he started talking about like we. We're going to play based on the scouting report. And so I'd be curious to know what's the next solution against a team that presses high. And also, like, 
you did make a couple notes on the pressing today um, where you said like there was that one sequence where Old Cruz was the only one pressing and yeah. then there was no one behind him and we, we, he just got beat. Yeah. Um, there were a couple pressing moments where I thought like you could see some good pieces, like especially on the right side where we had Moritz and Carvajal, they would converge and essentially would come over. But there wasn't. it wasn't still like this super impressive pressing display not, not that we did that often either so where where is your mind with the press now how do you think will we see it more like let's say we got an upcoming stretch now against a lot of good teams i yeah. wonder if we'll see it in any of those, yeah. those games i mean i think uh, sevilla next weekend i think that'll be interesting to see if we really go on the high press there because sevilla we know can be incisive and play right through that no problem yeah um, and if El Naziri's fit, I mean, he's fast enough to take advantage of, of any transition as well. So that will be interesting to see if, if Carlo decides to play it. And, and it's at the Santiago Bernabeu where he said, like, maybe we have to play a certain way to cater to the fans at the Santiago Bernabeu. So it'll be interesting to see if that if that works against us or not and if he does go ahead and try and press because that's... Honestly, that's one of our biggest games of this kind of stretch here, and it's a big test for what was our last big test, like Barcelona-Inter Milan this year? Those are the only really big tests so far. I think we yeah. haven't played Atleti yet. Barca, so, and, Barca and Inter, yeah. Yeah, so I think this is going to be, I mean, Sevilla are arguably a better team than Barcelona. So this is gonna be uh, this is gonna be a good test, and I'll be interested to see if Carlo runs it out then. Much better defensively too. Yeah, I, I, and I think this is an interesting part of the interesting, I guess, part of the stretch is that we play three pretty good defensive teams in Sevilla, Inter, and Atleti. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how we we play against those teams. You know, will and the Atleti game in particular is going to be very interesting, just based on like the way Atletico have been playing this season. They've been vulnerable. Yeah. And I wonder how Carlo will approach that. I'm, I'm really curious. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. It's, it's still two games away, I think. No, yeah. or three. Because about Sheriff Sevilla, Sheriff, Sheriff Sevilla. Sheriff Sevilla, Inter, right? Then already. Yeah, I could easily just open a tab and look <laughs> yeah. it up. But, you know, who wants that? <laughs> who wants factual information? Um, all right, anything else on this game? Um, I think the only other thing was... Um, Rodrigo, when he came in, I yeah, thought played really subs. well. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, he was playing against ten men, so that kind of impacts our uh, perspective. But thought he played well on the left wing. Probably should have scored maybe one or two even. Um, had that great back heel to Benzema inside the box. Um, so just good, good cameo minutes from Rodrigo. The rest of the subs: Kamavinga, Jovic, Isco. You jumped out of your seat when you saw Jovic yeah, yeah. warm up. I jumped out of my seat and Jovic. Although had you did have some Jovic slander at halftime. A grand, I did. Yeah, what was it? where you were like, we should have brought Raúl de Tomas back. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Instead of bringing Jovic. Yeah, I mean, I just think from a uh, financial perspective, that would have made a lot more sense. Um, and uh, but Jovic had a grand total of one touch, one touch. in this match. And he was dying for a Mendy cross in the 92nd minute, and Mendy decided to... I forget what he did. He like probably passion. shot with his yeah, right foot. Yeah, probably. He's like, I'm going to shoot here <laughs> from here with my yeah. right foot. So those guys, like Kamavinga, Isco, I mean, they really didn't have... Game was dead and buried. Yeah, they really there's not much impact. to take away, yeah. I don't think. I mean, yeah. Did you see uh, what Carlos said about Vallejo, though, um, in the press conference? No. 
So he's like, I'm, I'm happy that I was able to reward Vallejo because his professionalism is just oh. really top, yeah. top, top level. And yeah. so... Not surprised um, to hear Yeah, that. I mean... It, He's every, always had a good head on his shoulders. Yeah, yeah, everything we... I mean, this kid was captain of Real Zaragoza at 17. Yeah. So, I mean, everything we've seen and heard about him is that he's a great professional. It's just... Yeah. Whether or not the level is there for Real Madrid is another question, but he's a great... Probably a great guy to have in the locker room. Yeah. So. Um, the other... And I, I, I don't... Like, because we didn't watch the press conferences today, but I don't know if it was lost in translation, but he, he said something about, like, Isco... Uh, oh, yeah. I... Isco had an excellent warm up, yeah. and, I, and I'm glad. So I'm glad I got him in. So I, I you know, I guess well deserved warm up for uh, after a great warm up for Isco to get in the field. Yeah, yeah, but the subs didn't do anything noteworthy. I don't think. Um, it probably apart from Rodrigo, who came in, was he the first sub? He had a little bit more time, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, and uh, you know, we were it's we were talking like, oh, it's always good to have you know the blow like this if you can squeak in Antonio Blanco or someone like that. Yeah. But, you know, just given the fact that you also need to get playing time to players like Kamavinga and Isco, who has barely played, Jovic has barely played, that's also important. So, you know, I don't, I'm not too mad about it. But um, Antonio Blanco is a weird one where maybe we jump the gun promoting him and not... Well, even but even today in the press conference, Carlo talked about how in ten years the midfield is going to be set with Blanco, Camavinga, and Fede. Yeah. So it's interesting. Like he always mentions Blanco when he talks about like the future of the midfield yeah, yeah. and stuff. So I don't know if he's just doing that to do that or if he actually believes it. But it, he does note him. Like it's not like he doesn't know who he is. Of course, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's probably one of those things where. He's good enough to be in the squad, but at the same time, we have so many yeah. midfielders, and, and yeah. this is a game where Fetty's not even on the on the yeah. field, right? Yeah. He's not even available. So, um, I, so I I got a question for you. Yeah. Um, kind of going back to Vinicius and just his numbers this season. Yeah. We can we can almost play the game. What would Twitter say? Yeah. And like, if let's flash back to maybe what two years ago when. Vinicius was going through a bad stretch or even like remember when he cried uh, after scoring against Osasuna in the Santiago Bernabeu just Vaguely. because like yeah. he he's been getting so many memes and like stuff like that like played against him like what would Twitter say like knowing if they had the knowledge that they had now knowing that he would become a 10 goal 7 assist player in 17 games like what would how would the narrative change like just kind of run me through that well I you, I, someone who has the energy and the patience and the time should go in and look up all the old tweets and call those yeah. accounts out. Yeah. Uh, so, like, it, let's say if during that spell where he was really, really struggling, it would have been his sophomore season, his second yeah. season, where, you know, if we came out and said, like, if you have patience, he's going to score, like, give him two years and he'll score 10 goals by November. Yeah. You'd get laugh, laughed off of yeah. Twitter, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I... I think at the beginning of the season we were talking about like how sustainable is it, and I and I think I could be wrong about this prediction, but I think I said I I could see him scoring ten by Christmas. Um, yeah, you were much more um, like I was a little bit positive more bullish. than I was. Yeah, yeah. bullish than I was. Yeah. I was I didn't even know if he could get like to ten to fifteen this season, but he's already there in November. So yeah, so I'm just cause, only because I was looking at we were we were analyzing like okay if you look at goal scorers who are goal scorers now but really struggled scoring in years past in the last like 10, 15, 20 years. Um, 
they have a really good jump to like 20 goals from like five goals. Yeah. So when Vinny had like four or five goals over the first few games, I was like, okay, well, let's say he's going to make this leap. He's going to need like 10 by Christmas. Yeah. So I think it's, this is the thing. Like we look at the fact that he's outperforming his XG by a really good amount. And math will just, math tells us that these things generally normalize. But for the great players, that actually doesn't normalize. For the yeah. great players, they sustain outperforming their XG for over a long period of time. So that's that's what I say when I if I want to talk myself into thinking can Vinicius go all season with this, if he's really truly made a leap, which to me, he's making decisions far like far better decisions this year. He's more confident this year. He's taking players on. He's not getting in his head. He's playing completely out of his head. It's like as if he's like he's looking at the game from the sky and like almost moving his his figure with a controller he's looking super confident so i think actually i don't see why he can't sustain it well and the other thing with xg is it doesn't take into account like when he gets into good spots and maybe doesn't get the pass or doesn't get the shot off yeah like even the chance i keep bringing up is when asensio took it with his right foot but Vinny was right there and benzema yeah. over hit the pass yeah like that's a goal for an easy tap in yeah. and like that doesn't show up on the xg and so i feel like he's getting into those types of opportunities really quite often every single game and so that's why I'm not worried about him because he's getting into the right spots and as long as you get into the right spots the goals will come and so I think he can definitely sustain this and the other thing that I've noticed about him this season especially since he's playing so many games he's a starter is I feel like he never gets tired he's just like even at the end of games he's making these sprints and he's ma he's putting in the defensive work and I just feel like he's got unbelievable fitness levels and energy um, and I, sometimes it's easy to take that for granted. And I under I do kind of wonder to myself, will Vinicius be um, a player almost like Ronaldinho where his peak isn't that long just because he relies so much on his, a lot of it. I mean, obviously he's got incredible technical skills, but he also combines that with his incredible physical skills. And I wonder, like, if he starts to lose any of that speed or if he starts to, like, it just gets a foot slower or if he has a bad injury or something like that, will that start to deter his well, career? Well, the counter to that is, will he take care of his body better than Ronaldinho did? I think, he, and I think the answer to that is yes, because mm -hmm. if, for I think most people know this, but, like, he's hired his own um, trainer from Brazil that, like, lives with him and he does tons of extra work outside of, um, outside of training and stuff like that. I think he's way more disciplined than Ronaldinho ever was. So, Yeah, and that, look, the fact that we're talking, we're having a conversation about can he have a peak like Ronaldinho yeah. is, 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 is yeah. a little bit crazy. I got to pinch myself for that. <laughs> but if, he's, if he sustains what he's doing now this season, worth every single penny. Yeah, worth oh, it. for sure. And, and, and a bargain at that. Yeah. Bargain at that. Um, yeah, so it's something that we'll keep our eye on. And I also thought that the performances with Brazil over the international break were a great yeah. sign too because yeah. one of his weak points this season was that he couldn't really get integrated in the Brazilian national team. He didn't look the same player that he did with Real Madrid. And he walked into that team as their best player against Colombia in the second half. Maybe struggled a little bit more against Argentina, which we already discussed in the previous yeah. podcast. But that to me was a good sign too that he's also... It's not. It doesn't seem to be situational confidence anymore. It just feels like he's confident. You can rely on him. Yeah. Um, anything else? Um, Make that iPhone app notepad. <laughs> yeah. 
No, I think I think we we covered everything. This was it was a fun game. Like it was plenty of chances, some back and forth. Obviously, Real Madrid dominated to end it and just carved Granada. Yeah. But it was a good like start to this run of games. It was it was maybe the biggest banana peel. Yeah. I mean, that the cliche yeah. banana peel, the easy game after the international break just before the schedule gets tough. Um, yeah, I I feel like we've we've figured some things out. Um, granted, Granada were honestly really bad again. So, but hey, hey, we, we've we've lost games like this in the past. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I maybe just to reiterate because we didn't really say, but Monchu was just he was his soul was taken away from <laughs> yeah. him by Vinicius, yeah. especially by the second time, the second foul, which led to a red. Was it a straight red? It yeah, was straight yeah, red. Straight, straight red. red. Um, it was. You can just you can just feel it. As someone in my mentions made a funny comment. Um, where it's like that you see that tackle in a pickup game where like the the guys like there's a defender who's just getting frustrated by this young kid who's yeah, just yeah, yeah. just doing whatever he wants and he's like you know he's he's provoking and then he the, the old guy just comes in with a flying challenge to send the message yeah but <laughs> you could like see it you could see it coming yeah 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 and uh, shout out to Alberto Soro, who mm. never featured for Real Madrid. Yeah. But weird signing. Weird signing, but was a starter in this match and really didn't have uh, Oh, he had anyone. the goal line clearance. He had the goal line clearance, that's yeah. right. He did have the goal line clearance, but other than that, he had not, he couldn't win a single duel against Carvajal. Yeah. Um, if you ever ask Sam Sharp about his thoughts on Alberto Soro, <laughs> he's like, I don't understand. It was, the, it was the dumbest signing ever. We signed him, we didn't play him, then we sold him for... I, I don't even think we sold him out of a huge profit, if, no. if a profit. I don't think so. Yeah, it was just a very like. Apparently, we were like doing Real Zaragoza a favor or something because okay. they were going through financial struggles. Then. Okay, fair enough. Well, we can we can help out Real Zaragoza. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm okay with that. Traditionally, a fun big historical Spanish team. Yeah. Um, all right, let's wrap it here. A nice cool 41 minutes ish, and we'll we'll get this up. And if you guys haven't already, because uh, the the cool thing about last night's podcast and live in Dallas was that it was a timeless episode. Yeah. So we decided not to preview Granada from a top four schedule. It would have been stupid anyway. It, people would have had like two hours to listen to it before the game. Yeah. So we did uh, we did trivia. We did a lot about Real Madrid's history. We did what ifs. We did Q and A. And so it's a it's a podcast that won't age with like it'll age well. Yeah. So um, go listen to that if you haven't already. That's over on patreoncom Madrid. We uploaded that for our patrons and obviously the people who were there. Thank you for coming out. It was like a, it was an honor meeting everyone. Like this super awesome crowd. Like yeah. just really good people. Madridistas. Um, uh, it's just an awesome crowd and an awesome venue. So really really had a good time in Dallas. So thank you everyone for coming out. And we'll be back. Well, well there's going to be Las Blancas later today. They're playing as we're recording now, and Omen Grant are going to record about that. Uh, so I think well, that'll be a separate podcast probably. So keep your eyes peeled for that. And then Tuesday will be Lone Tracker Day. We'll have to figure that out. Uh, we already have some stuff to talk about. We had Loney Derby yeah. yesterday with Fiorentina versus Milan. So that, among other things, will be on the agenda. Matt, thank you. Thanks for hosting in your beautiful place. And uh, thank you for the listeners for listening. And we'll see you over on patreon.com slash managingmadrid. Thank you and take care. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Fion. All right, before we let you guys go, I want to give a quick shout out to our amazing patrons who make this show possible. And a quick shout out specifically to our $10 plus patrons because not only do they get guaranteed responses to their questions on the show, but they also get specific shout outs once a week on the podcast. So shout out to Brandon Alvarez, 
Willie Reed, Wei Pairing, Wamit Jamal, Umar Mahadi, Tyler Simon, Tobias Arroyo Bacher, Tahmid Kalam, Sujai Wani, Somanchu Singh, Shivam Tiwari, Shamil, uh, Sharapov, <coughs> excuse me, Santos Solorzano, Said Mahad, Saad Omar, Ravi Tahiev, Rishi D, Raul Gutierrez, Raghav Potluri, Phoenix, Oscar Barrera, Nico Laxo, Nicolas Zapatero, Zubiare, Nick Ribeiro, Muxi Thengal, Mowgli, MJ Diego, Michael Zinberg, Marin Myrtle, Martin Ridman, Leon Stavernakis, Crystal Glass, Kevin Rivera, John Fernandez, Jeff Thurston, Jason Fitz, Graham Gerard, Gary Cohood, Frederick Pentakiro, Frederick Sundros, Faisal Hamdan, S.A. Davisito, Eloy Enriquez, Edward Sossman, Daniel Williams, Christian Toft, Krishna Costa, Charles Williams, Brendan Powers, Brandon Stevens, Austin Fury Erdman, Anthony Lombardi, Anirudh Singh, Alexi Saniceros, Al, Adam Dorsey, Bella Child, Varun, Fabian Moreno, Daniel Smith. Thank you guys so much for your support. We love you all. We will see you guys over on patreon.com slash managing on Tuesday. Maybe before that, but I'm not sure, but Tuesday for sure. And Halamadit.